1: Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
2: And Happy New Year from SAP Game Changers Radio. Today's buzz phrase is corporate Social responsibility. What? We're telling you you got to do something new this year? Maybe do something better you've already been doing? Okay. Let's have a little truth time here. Everybody listening? On a scale of 1 to 10, I want you to rate your corporate social responsibility program. Obviously, if you don't have one, that's a big zero. But if you have one and it's below 5, you know who you are. I've got four wonderful experts here who may inspire you to raise the bar in 2013. They may inspire you not only to raise the bar, but tell you how to do it. So let me tell you who's on the panel with me. Great guest today, Daniel Elliott, and here's his quote. He says, international corporate volunteer programs are a win-win-win proposition. That's three wins. The host organizations gain access to pro bono world-class consulting services. That's one. The volunteers gain a unique once-in-a-lifetime experience. That's two. And the companies enhance their brand. We all know how important that is. And increase exposure to new markets. That's three. We'll be visiting with Daniel in just a few minutes. Rebecca Wang is with us, and she says the betterment of our society is not a job to be left to a few. It's a responsibility to be shared by all, and she's quoting David Packard. And Brittany Loth is not with us today. She helped to arrange this panel, but I'm just going to read a quote from Brittany to honor her. She says, "Plan like a pessimist, think like a realist, act like an optimist, and above all, love what you do. And we'll be integrating that into our conversation. We're joined today by Garrett Jones, and he says global corporations are playing a catalytic role in accelerating community engagement around the world, transforming the way individuals, organizations, and societies think and operate, in essence, promoting a global culture of service and volunteering. I like that word societies. Garrett, you'll be explaining that more. He says they're also being transformed by the experiences as they continue to innovate, how they impact local communities. We've got some important words in their communities and societies. And Rounding out our panel is Evan Welsh. You're not going to believe this Quote, garbage can be good. Okay, put your seatbelt on. Evan has a reason for saying that. He worked with a group of catadores. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's the garbage collectors in an association in Brazil and helped them create, you won't believe this, a communications plan. So again, Evan says garbage can be good and he'll be explaining why. So join us at the Game Changers table for smart business talk about the value of corporate social responsibility for your company and your industry. I'm Bonnie D Graham and welcome. We are live. Today is January what? January 9th, 2013. Happy to be here. Yes, yes, yes. And a quick message for my game changer listeners in sales. Are you ready to work smarter? Sell better? Win more? Of course you are. Find out how today's top sales people are leaving behind top-down processes. The SAP Sales On-Demand Solution is waiting for you. Go to our show page on the business channel, click any banner, and go to a page with lots of freebies and goodies white papers infographics and a special paper for you it's on us now let me introduce my guests by their bios their professions and we will meet them briefly daniel elliott program manager at cdc development solutions an international development organization their mission is to reinvent how public private and social interests converge to address global challenges welcome daniel how are you today
3: hey bonnie great to be on the show
2: Thank you so much. Can't wait to talk to you in a moment. And we're joined by the lovely Rebecca Wang. She's a member of the Small But Mighty, I love that, Rebecca, Small But Mighty Community Engagement Team within HP's Sustainability and Social Innovative Team. She's responsible for employee engagement in the community for HP's 320,000 employees around the globe. Welcome, Rebecca. And how are you today?
4: Good morning. I'm feeling great. Thanks.
2: Wonderful. You say good morning. Where are you calling from?
4: Uh, beautiful Palo Alto, California. Not so Wonderful. sunny today, but it's still beautiful.
2: I know a lot of nice people there. And Garrett Jones is Vice President of Global Service at Points of Light, the world's largest organization dedicated to what else? Volunteer service. They mobilize millions of people to take action that is changing the world. Hello, Garrett. How are you today?
5: Doing Great.
2: Thank you for joining us, and let's talk to Evan Welch, Head of Sustainability and CSR Corporate and Product Media Relations at SAP. Evan started at SAP on Valentine's Day, and he says, and I quote, it's been a love affair ever since. I love to hear that, Evan. His primary focus is telling the SAP story to to leading media around the world. And a quick shout. Hello, Evan. How are you? Say hi. Uh,
6: I'm doing great. It's great to be on. Thank you.
2: Good. Thank you for joining us. And a quick shout-out again to Brittany. She is the head of corporate social responsibility for SAP. She leads social investment globally, and she can't be with us today, but a shout-out and a hug to Brittany. So, Daniel, let's talk about it. International corporate volunteer programs are win-win-win. I've already read the quote. Tell me. Who benefits the most, or is it across the board equal? Talk to me.
3: I mean, it's actually across the board equal. I mean, the, the reason I put that quote in, and I think it's one of the driving uh, motivations for companies to participate, is just that it's uh, a cross-the-board win for everyone that's participating. Um, you know, organizations that put the investment into their employees, um, you know, get a great benefit from it uh, through retention rates, through loyalty to the company, uh, volunteers that do this type of experience, you know, these one-month um, assignments. Uh, almost across the board, Universal, say it's a life-changing experience for them. They grow professionally and personally as well. Um, and then the local organizations, you know, that uh, most of them are small nonprofits that don't have the um, financial capacity or uh, wherewithal to, you know, advance their organizations to the next level. So this is kind of like a gift to them uh, that helps them not, you know, instead of just a money donation, it's a tools uh, experience donation, and it just it increases the capacity of everyone that's involved, uh, to benefit greatly from these types of programs.
2: Definitely sounds like a win-win-win. I want to ask you a quick question. Companies enhance their brand. Does that involve sending your volunteers out with a T-shirt with your logo? I mean Let's get right down to brass tacks here, Daniel. How do you enhance your brand when you're doing this volunteering? Are you saying the company name and, and handing out pieces of, I don't know, whatever you do, brochures or, or mugs or whatever to say, hey, guess who's helping you today? It's company XYZ. How do you enhance the brand?
3: Sure. Well, the approach that we take is not a direct marketing strategy like that, you know, of, of having everything labeled with, uh, with the company's logo. It's more an indirect um, association. Um, you know, I think um, when volunteers the, from companies are out in the field, you know, the, the local organizations and then the local community, you know, know who is – sponsoring the teams that are going out. So it's, it's really unnecessary and it's um, advisable to not you know put that out there because the name of the organization of the company will get out and it will be advertised you know that that's what's happening but that's not the direct uh, reason that companies do ICD programs uh, but the, the brand enhancement is, is an indirect benefit uh, from these uh, programs.
2: Thank you, Daniel. I wanted to play devil's advocate. That's why I asked such a pointed question, because I wanted to hear you say no. And thank you. That's for those who were trying to figure out how to do this well. Rebecca Wang, let's get to your quote. You quoted David Packard, of course, the betterment of our society is not a job to be left to a few. It's a responsibility to be shared by all. How seriously do you take that at HP, Rebecca?
4: Uh, We definitely do. You know, the the company has such a rich legacy of giving back to the communities, and it really has integrated that within um, the culture. I believe um, it's probably, you know, when you think of the Silicon Valley and where it started, we think of, Hewlett-Packard and what it, the innovation that includes employees giving their um, time, time and talent back to the community to make the community stronger. Um, the, I chose this because not only to really emphasize what the company culture is about around volunteerism, but to to really point out also that it's this accessibility that we're trying to give to all of our employees globally. We have such a tremendous workforce. Um, it's... Just the volume and the sheer number of our employees Mm -hmm. that we really feel it's an obligation that we have as a company to have our employees give back to the community and strengthen them, um, the communities where we work and where we live.
2: Good. Sounds like a good plan and good philosophy, and you have so many people. Why not spread the wealth of the human capital and people's hearts going into the right places? I love it. Let's talk to Garrett Jones. Garrett, you talk about global companies playing a catalytic role in accelerating community engagement around the world. I love how you talked about societies and communities. Give me a little bit more meat on the bones of your quote, Garrett.
5: Yeah. I I mean, we're really seeing that, just as Rebecca talked about with the, the programs that HP are doing, that uh, it, it oftentimes, in, in a number of countries that don 't have necessarily pervasive cultures of volunteering and service, that expectation from companies that their employees are engaged in solving community problems shifts dynamics about how people in that society think about things so oftentimes the volunteer experience that may come through a company may be the first uh, experience of um, real in-person impacting a community need happens and, and that then ignites the spark in some subset of those employees that then leads them to get more involved and start to lead um, community problem solving. I think what we're also seeing is that in nonprofit sectors around the world, and um, we were just at the uh, World Volunteering Conference in London, that there are national volunteer centers in many countries that are scrambling to say, how, not scrambling, but Figuring out how to how to better respond to companies that say we want to partner, we want to get more involved. How can you help us build greater access and capacity of the nonprofit community to respond? Uh, and so, uh, and, and then I think that the last part of that catalytic piece is as soon as that spike spark is ignited, and as soon as um, dynamics within se- within sectors um, switch then it starts to take on a life of its own, and companies start to learn from what employees are doing, what they're inspired by, and how do they create more opportunities for them to deepen their impact.
2: Thank you, Garrett. Perfect. And the one thing we haven't talked about that Evan Welsh is going to grace us with right now is what types of volunteering are we talking about? Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Evan, you say garbage can be good. For goodness sake, put us out of our misery. What are you talking about, Evan Welsh?
6: Huh. Thank you. Uh, There are are obviously so many different kinds of volunteering, but I was lucky enough to be part of SAP's first social sabbatical program, Uh, and that happened last year in July. So I got to spend one month working in Brazil, in Belo Horizonte, Brazil, for a nonprofit organization called Asmare, uh, which is an organization of garbage collectors of recyclable materials. And as you mentioned up front, we created an internal and external communications plan for them they have garbage collectors, otherwise known as catadores, and many of them are the former homeless or they've spent time in prison. They're clearly disenfranchised. They clearly have uh, a bad reputation. They're looked uh, down upon within society. So our job was to create a very positive image of these catadores for the local community and society. And that's why I said garbage can be good, because garbage has not only helped get the catadores off the street, and giving them a purpose in life. But it's all, they're also removing garbage from society and recycling it for the betterment economically, environmentally, and socially.
2: Very interesting. Would you redo or do anything different about that experience, Evan, or would you say it was one of the best?
6: Uh, it was a tremendous experience. Maybe the only thing I would do differently is ask to stay another month.
2: Ah, bravo. You know what? That's a perfect way to take us up to our first break. You're listening to SAP Game Changers Radio. I am Bonnie D. Graham. Thrilled to be here when we come back. We'll be talking to my esteemed panel. We're going to go through a little history of volunteering of corporate social responsibility. We're going to talk about why in 2006, that was only what, six and a half, seven years ago, only six U.S. companies sent 280 employees to four countries. What? Let's see how far we've come. We'll be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that app. Kevin out.
1: Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
2: Here we are and my panel are just sitting there drinking something delicious. I can see it, I can feel it in my mind's eye. I wanna know what are you drinking today on your coffee break? Let's start out with Daniel Elliott. What you drinking?
3: Well, I'm drinking Taste Nirvana Thai tea, um, and the reason I'm drinking that is uh, CDC Development Solutions is an organization. We've done work in about 80 countries on five continents uh, since our inception, Um, uh, but we're excited in May of this year to go to a new country, which is going to be Thailand, for uh, Mm. uh, John Deere's uh, inspirational leadership program that we run for them.
2: Very nice. And how does that tie to your coffee? tie I'm sorry (laughs) I said how does that tie into your coffee what you're drinking okay sorry bad pun there (laughs) (laughs) you got to forgive me let's go to Rebecca what are you drinking today my dear
4: Well, I'm drinking my usual uh, drip coffee, and it's not so important that uh, what the type of coffee it is, but mm-hmm. where I got it from. And it's my neighborhood yes. cafe. At, um, I am really proud to have um, been a part of our local neighborhood kind of civic engagement um, initiative, where we, these young professional couples, we all moved in around the same time, kind of this community in transition, and we decided we want to, to create this we kind of upgrade this little retail area that was in our neighborhood. And when we um, brought in this cafe, it really changed everything. It, it, has, it has become the real hub of our little tiny community. And um, Menlo Park, California, maybe not many people know of, of it um, 15, 16 years ago when I first moved in, but now it's become, quote, unquote, home of Facebook. So um, Menlo Park, California
2: and Cafe Very Zoe. Very nice. Cafe Zoe, I wanted you to do a shout-out. That's Yay. a charming story. <laughs> Yay! Drink up. And let's talk to Garrett Jones. What are you drinking today, Garrett?
5: You know, Bonnie, this morning I'm actually uh, drinking a home-brewed cup of uh, Pete's coffee that takes me back to my uh, hometown roots in Nevada, California and this cup has, uh, gone with me, uh, to cups of coffee in many places living in India for a while and South Africa for a while but the, the ritual that accompanies these, uh, this cup these days is one brewed with my two young daughters sitting at the kitchen table where I offer them a cup and they, uh, always laugh and decline and then when the coffee <laughs> pot is done brewing and it beeps we joke that the school bus is pulling up outside and they, uh, they, they, decline that as well so
2: (laughs) i love it great story thank you and evan what's in your cup today
6: well my cup is freshly squeezed uh, orange juice and and grapefruit which i make every day Uh, and i also make it for my daughter Uh, but she would actually prefer the coffee she asks me uh, she's eight years old she'd like to drink coffee already and uh, once in a while i let her uh, have a tiny sip but i'm I'm drinking freshly squeezed uh, juice and it's something that i love to make for both of us in the morning
2: you inspire me. I had a little cranberry juice myself this morning. I have two tweets to read here. The lovely Margot Heiligman from SAP says, lots of antioxidants this morning and organic maca green tea. And she says, great show, Bonnie. Thank you, Margot. Glad to have you on board. And of course, my co-producer, Malcolm, is tweeting about what he's drinking. And it's always equator coffee because he loves it. He's drinking equator alligator French organic and fair trade. Woohoo. Thank you, Malcolm. So let's get on with the show. I want to turn to Daniel Elliott from CDC Development Solutions. Daniel, I got that wonderful statistic from you. I'm not sure if I should call it wonderful. In 2006, just what, almost seven years ago, only six U.S. companies sent 280 employees to four countries for volunteering. And this year, you say, nearly 2,200 employees in over 25 programs went to dozens of countries. What happened in that six, six six-and-a-half-year time span, Daniel, to make this awareness happen, to make countries companies say, you know, I think we should climb on board. What happened?
3: Sure. Um, yeah, and that's uh, the statistics from our uh, benchmarking study that we survey um, mm-hmm. various companies across the world on what they're doing uh, with these types of um, international corporate volunteers and programs. I think the shift happened. I mean, companies started realizing, um, you know, instead of fighting uh be involved in uh, green movement or helping develop rural farmers or helping local co-ops like, us, like Evan did in a, with a uh to kind of get into the lead now and start leading the well-being of the world. Uh, how can they take the expertise that they have um, in their companies uh, to make the world a better place? Uh, so by doing ICV programs, they're really able to leverage uh, the best um, assets that they do have, which are their people. Uh, one of the things too that they started realizing, especially at high level talent, is the need to offer their employees much more than just a salary and benefits. So what are mm-hmm. some of the different types of experiences that companies can provide to their employees that, you know, maintain the, their top level talent, keeps their loyalty, uh, you know, keeps them engaged into the, the company, um, and I think the, these types of uh, programs um, are exactly that uh hit that sweet spot of you know really being able to provide something more for their employees while also doing corporate good uh around the world
2: Daniel, can we introduce the proud word? Do you think an employee would be saying, I'm proud to work for my company because they have a social responsibility mindset, because they're involving me, because it's part of what I do rather than just sitting at the desk or out in the field with an iPad all day long? I'm actually helping real people in a real community. Do you think there's a pride that's bubbling up, shall we say?
3: Definitely, and I think it's even stronger for the millennial generation. you know folks that are mm-hmm. um, already a couple of years out of college and are uh, getting into the workforce, you know the next generation of the leaders within companies across the world. Uh, they're Demanding these types of opportunities, they want to do more than just their nine to five job um, and given you know how workaholic most people are, you know, there's really not that much time uh, for folks to do things outside of their their day jobs. so when companies provide these types of opportunities it's a real benefit for them uh, to then say yes i'm really proud to be uh, working at SAP because of the social sabbatical program or any of the other companies that do programs like this. I think it's a especially effective way to uh, retain talent and to uh, engage especially younger workers as they progress
2: through their careers. Very, very good points. Thank you. Rebecca, I want to bring you into this conversation. You said to me before the show, Bonnie, traditional volunteering versus Mm skills-based pro bono volunteering. This is something that HP encourages. Give us some definitions. Let's lay a groundwork here, Rebecca. What do you consider traditional and what do you consider the skills-based? Talk to me.
4: Right. You know, there's – the Large kind of team-based. Let's all get together as a group of 50, maybe 75, even 100, um, as a as a team, business team, and sort food, which is a very you know commendable activity to do. Um, And you you are obviously you've got a goal of maybe sorting through say 2,000 pounds of food, which is definitely um, important for that. Um, food bank to get through and be able to p- provide to its um, clients. However, in speaking back to what Daniel is saying, that there's a real value to the um, employee, especially who is donating his or her skills, some real unique expertise that he or she has as a professional and really using that to benefit the nonprofit and increase the organization's ability to serve its clients. And in fact, when we did um, a study from across uh, our volunteers who participated in this traditional volunteering versus skills-based or pro bono, again, using your professional skills um, mm-hmm. to, to do better in the community, there was an increased um, level of um morale, positive morale, and feeling pride about being part of HP versus employees who did the traditional volunteering. It's 35% um, increased morale for, for those who did pro bono versus 30, 31 um, for those who did traditional. So there's a real concrete um, evidence of, of that value for the employees and being able to give their skills.
2: Very interesting. Thank you. And, and Garrett, I want to get your point of view uh, from the point of view of Points of Light. I want you to talk to me about what is a micro-volunteering opportunity? Is it the same we've been talking to Rebecca and Daniel about, or is that is that something that's less than a sabbatical but more than four hours, or or how do we define micro-volunteering?
5: Uh, it's actually, uh, it's actually less than a sabbatical and perhaps less than four hours. And I think okay. that it's linking to, uh, you know, to both, uh, what Daniel and Rebecca are saying in terms of, I think there's a lot of focus on, um, how do you best connect with employees, uh, where they are. And, and that all happens within corporate culture and where a company is in engaging its, em- in, kind of the spirit of engaging with communities and and creating opportunities for employees to engage with communities and so one of the, uh, one of the ways that companies are looking at doing this is, is, you know, can they create opportunities for employees to volunteer while if they don't have flexibility to get away from their desk, uh, say during a, uh, as an example, um Mondelez or what was previously Kraft Foods has a delicious difference week that, uh, you know, their employees in 60 countries around the world engage in over the course of a week, and there are some segment of employees that aren't able to get out of the office on volunteer projects, and how can they bring projects to employees? So there are technology platforms that allow uh, individuals to connect, uh, whether it's through translation or small projects that could be done in an hour or two hours that are conducted online. So that, that's, that's kind of a picture of what micro-volunteering could look like.
2: Give me an example. What would I do for an hour online that would be considered a micro-volunteering of value? Garrett? You, yeah,
5: you know, I, I actually have not uh, micro-volunteered myself, but <laughs> okay. it could be, let's say you have foreign language skills there, or there or English translation skills, and there is an organization that uh, wants to develop a proposal, uh, a, you know, a, a nonprofit organization in Mexico that is um, developing a proposal for funding and has been able to draft it in in uh, not English as first language and looking for editorial support to improve the, the quality of that proposal to support funding its mission.
2: I love it. And you could I love take it.
5: an hour to uh, provide those inputs.
2: Wonderful. That makes a lot of sense. And I want to ask Evan, we're going to round out this segment and maybe we'll spill over into the next one with you, Evan. I want to ask you. When you found out there was an opportunity to work with the garbage men, the Catadores in Belo Horizonte, Brazil, and it was one month, did you, were you the first one in the class to raise your hand and say, pick me, pick me? Or did you peruse a veritable brochure or a catalog, if you will, or a website of opportunities and decide where you wanted to go? What, how did you get there?
6: Yeah, it's a good question so we didn't know what the projects were until uh... we had already volunteered and been accepted into the program uh... as i mentioned before this was the first social sabbatical mm-hmm. for SAP, uh... and so there was an application process and uh... as soon as i heard that there was going to be this opportunity to either work in india south africa or brazil for one month um, i raised my hand immediately this is something that i thought would be a tremendous opportunity for me personally as well as professionally and as the others have mentioned an opportunity for me to give back so i put everything into the application uh... wanting to to make sure that that i was picked and luckily i was picked uh... for brazil obviously and then uh... as we did some of the pre-work with daniel and his team uh... it was probably four or five weeks into it that i found out that i would be working for the association of garbage collectors
2: what was your first response? What, what went through your mind, Evan? Everybody wants to know. Garbage collectors? You've got to be kidding me. What, what did you think? Like, wow, I can really make a difference, or what? Come on, tell me the uh, truth.
6: No, I thought garbage collectors, you got to be kidding me. Um, okay, that was, thank uh, you. <laughs> that was exactly my, my first reaction. But it was a quick one, because as soon as I learned the value of this organization and what they were doing, uh, not only for the community, but for their employees and beyond, uh, I couldn't wait to get on the ground to help them.
2: Really? And how did they respond to you? You know what? Hold that thought. We're going to come back after the break and talk about what happens on the other side. You sign up for a sabbatical. You sign up for micro-volunteering or something in between the, the hour to four hours and the month-long, let's go somewhere really cool and do something amazing. Uh, how? How is That perceived in the community, in the culture, in the society, that's the recipient of all this. So we're going to talk to our panel and find out what happens on the other side. How fast are they to embrace it, to love it, to appreciate it? Does it always go well? Come on, subtitle of the show is Tell Me the Truth. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We'll be right back after about a 54-second break, enough to take a gulp and a hiccup and go, whoo, that was fun. So, Kevin, out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device, www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers.
2: And we're back, and we're talking right now on my panel to Evan Welsh, who did a month in Belo Horizonte, Brazil, with the garbage collectors. Kevin, I'm hearing some feedback in the background. Maybe we could kill that uh, that microphone in the studio. Thank you very much. Evan, what happened when you got off the plane, my dear? You were prepared. You go to Brazil. Woo-hoo. What am I doing here? I'm going to make a difference. It's going to change my life. What did they think when they met you, Evan?
6: Well, you know, that's a great question. So uh, there were three of us from SAP, and we got started uh, immediately on, on Monday morning after we arrived, and you know, we were anxious to get started and to make a difference and. Uh, obviously we needed to learn as much as possible and, uh, after a few days we're, we're still anxious to be able to deliver something. We're all high achievers and, and want to get down to business immediately. Uh, and the, uh, the head of Asmara said to us, you're doing so much for us already and we were surprised because we hadn't really delivered anything. But the mere fact that we were there, our presence gave so much validity to the organization that three people from SAP had traveled halfway around the world to, to participate in this program was so much for them already, and they were so moved and so happy that everyone that they talked to in the government and the community uh, were just thrilled to have us uh, on the ground there. So the reception was, was amazing from the beginning, uh, and it was uh, a, a tremendous month of, of working with our hosts.
2: Wonderful. I'm very glad to hear that. And I know anybody listening uh, who may or may not have their own program is probably smiling right now and saying, hey, it's a good thing you're, yeah. you're going to get off that plane and they're going to hug you. Go ahead, Rebecca, I hear you.
4: Yeah, uh, Bonnie, what I wanted to mention was for for this type of program and any other, especially skills-based um, pro bono program, the the critical piece that we've discovered in, in developing our program at HP is that um, we want to make sure the nonprofit is ready. And in, um, yes. I'm sure that CDC does an amazing job in choosing and selecting the organizations that you're going to be working with intensely for that month. But even when we do a four-hour um Kind of session, and in this case, I'm thinking right now the the Scopathon, scoping project um, type of event that we're initiating with our local nonprofit organizations. The critical piece is making sure that the nonprofit organization staff ha- is committed. They they're going mm-hmm. to provide the right resources to engage with our um, employees because. We not only want to have a good experience for the employees, but obviously to have a really positive outcome for the organization, because that is the ultimate goal for everyone, that we're strengthening them and their capacity to serve.
2: Clearly, and I I want to go ahead, Daniel, please, please
3: yeah Rebecca yes. makes an excellent point um in terms of preparing the local organizations to receive these volunteers uh, You know the the i c v programs are uh relatively new in the developed world you know the uh, where companies are based that are sending the volunteers so you can imagine a small non nonprofit uh you know in rural south Africa or in um, in brazil uh wondering what this program is, and, uh, you know, at CDC Development Solutions, we spend a couple of months out before the teams arrive, about a week or two in the field, meeting with these organizations, um, explaining to them what it is, uh, you know, going through, helping them develop the scopes of work. Um, So we do a a lot of prep work uh, in order to get not only the organiz- you know, not only the volunteers ready before the deployment, but also the local organizations on the ground um, ready. And it does take, you know, some explaining because <laughs> a lot of mm-hmm. them will say, So let me get this straight. You're sending me a group of uh you know, well educated world class volunteers and I don't have to pay anything for it. Uh Duh. so they, right. gotta it be kidding. it's kind of a soft sell, <laughs> but it's uh, once they get it then they um, sometimes trip over themselves with excitement to receive uh yeah. their volunteer teams.
4: And then, this is is Rebecca. If I could interject as well, that they they also need to understand that if if they are getting these um, very um, these high level professional volunteers, that they should Mm -hmm. also treat them almost like paid um, consultants. That there should be a a give and take between our companies and them. That there's a level of Professionalism that we all need to work towards, and that this isn't, you know, X company coming and just really um, there to bestow ourselves and our gifts to them. That it, it mm-hmm. it's a it, it should be a one to one, you know, um, a give and take. Exactly, exactly, and that's when oh. you really see some success. Now, I have a question.
2: Garrett, I wanted to bring you in, but I have a question for you, and let me me phrase it, and then after, Garrett, everybody can jump in. We've talked about, I've talked about, and I've asked you about the role of the people who are going on this trip or doing the micro-volunteering. We've talked about the recipients on the ground in the country or wherever you're going. We've talked about the corporations that are doing this and how good it is for the employees. But let's talk about how do you know... What program is right for your company and your employees? And let me reference, Garrett, I understand that Points of Light has affiliates in 250 cities in more than 20 countries. You're in partnership with thousands of nonprofits and corporations. You engage 4 million volunteers, and they give 30 million hours of service a year. Absolutely overwhelming, astonishing numbers. So my question is, how does a company who talks to Points of Light say, Garrett, we want to help you we want you to help us put together a corporate social responsibility program but how do you know what will be right that maybe it's not working with the categories in brazil maybe it's not sweeping a a a bad neighborhood a park in an inner city somewhere how do you know what to give them that will work for that company and their employees talk to me
5: yeah, and I think that, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's as much giving them as having the dialogue about what are the objectives and what are they really trying okay. to achieve. And and most companies these days have these kinds of programs in place and are looking at how do we strengthen them, how do we build momentum. So I, it's mm-hmm. looking at the objectives, it's looking at the connection points and how companies are Structured internationally, uh, is it, is there CSI? Kind of, is this where does it sit within the organization in terms of mm-hmm. departments and how do they ma- how are they managing or are thinking about managing it internationally? And I think what I think where it part of the discussion has been looking at volunteer programs in terms of the SAP sabbatical program and so forth that are sending volunteers internationally. But with many of these companies, H- included, you've got um, vast employee populations in countries around the world that are looking yeah. to say, how do we get involved in our local community? And so... I think the the council is to say, how do you start to create efficient access to those kind of opportunities? How do you create some ways to ignite employee engagement? Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that we've done recently with Visa is support them in um, in launching a global volunteer month. That more than anything just ah. says, hey, this is something that we're doing as a country. They've got offices that have responded enthusiastically around the world to get uh, to to show up and to do projects. And turnout in the community, and and as I mentioned earlier, it really starts to take on a life of its own. So I, I think the point is um, multiple access points, reaching employees where they are, and uh, and I think equipping leaders in local markets to um, to structure what that program looks like.
2: Okay you mentioned where in the organization does this function sit I think Rebecca you might be a good one to answer that are you, you are your own part of the HP organization you are sitting at the top of this corporate social responsibility and making these decisions do you have a team how do you do it
4: Yes we're um, as i mentioned we are fairly small but the overall sustainability and social innovation organization is within the corporate communications team, which this ah. that organization then reports directly to our CEO, Meg Whitman. So we are an integrated part of employee communications, external communications, which is really helpful in, in terms of um, promoting our programs within and without um, I mean, internally and externally. Um, but I want to get back to Garrett's point about this accessibility because um, as, as HP evolves from that traditional type of volunteering into the other end of the spectrum and skills based pro bono. We're not necessarily leaving behind the, that hands on volunteering model. We, think of a triangle, a pyramid, and at the base of that pyramid, there's a, a very large base that we still manage around the traditional volunteering. In fact, we have a Make a Difference month as well that we mm-hmm. um, that we have in May. But as you move up that pyramid where we want to encourage more employees as an individual basis, think about the four hours of paid time off that they get during the month. Each month, mm-hmm. every employee across the globe use that four months in a way that really makes a difference and they're really starting to Get that um, again. Team-based uh, volunteering will still happen because, you know, directors around the globe want to increase morale in, throughout within their team. Of course. But you know, on an individual basis, we do want to encourage employees to, to donate their professional skills. And we may not have all that funding to be able to. We hope to someday uh, partner with CDC and take our high-talented employees out to um, a country where. You know, an emerging market, but at this point we're not ready and um, want to engage employees where we can, just as Garrett is saying.
2: Okay, I have yes. a question for all of you. Go ahead. Who was going to speak first? This Go is ahead.
5: Garrett. This is Please. Garrett, and I and, and just, I guess just <laughs> echoing, uh, echoing what Rebecca says, echoing what I said, but I think that. I think what you find in a number of different countries and different markets is that, 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 again, that the spectrum is really important, that it it often takes an experience to ignite that compassion to set an individual on the path for them to say, gosh, I can have a much more significant impact on a, on a, uh, if, once, once I've had direct exposure to that need or that opportunity. And so, as Rebecca said, uh, just that, that base of opportunities that they have gives them the opportunity to start to mobilize a greater number of employees to imply their skills.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. I have a question for all of you. What if an employee or a group of employees are already doing volunteering? They've been doing it for years. It is skill-based. They do it in their community on their own, let's say through a church, through a youth group, through a a home, a shelter, a soup kitchen, and they're happy doing that. How do they fit into this, this grander scheme of CSR where they're already doing it, but they're doing it under their own name, not under the company's name? How do you bring them in and honor their commitment to volunteering without saying, well, you're not part of our program? so it doesn't count. Who wants to answer that? We have about a minute for an answer.
4: Rebecca from HP. I'm happy to answer that because we find that there that happens all the time. Thank and you. We, Thank and you. We, we do want to recognize and honor them, and we try to do that, and I'm sure SAP does the same as well, through rewards and recognition programs. We um, our employees who um, remember to record their volunteer hours through their church, et cetera, um, into the system, just so we have a sense of uh, understanding of where our employees are in their, you know, evolution of volunteering, we will recognize them through um, this twenty-five dollar, quote unquote, gift card that they can then use that money and donate that. The, those dollars back to uh, their nonprofit organization, whether it's in the U.S. or somewhere else around the globe. It's just our way of saying thank you for giving back to the community and being a part of HP's culture of giving back.
2: Thank you very much, and you know what? We're almost at our break, and I'm going to introduce the next segment now, and I'm going to challenge my guests. First of all, we're going to come back with the crystal ball. I'm going to ask each of you to look ahead five years to 2018. Can you believe we're looking that far ahead? Or whatever time frame suits your fancy, how a company's social responsibility program success will be measured. How will we know who's doing a good job and who's not? Will we even be talking about CSR then? Mm -hmm. And my bonus question to all of you is, talk to small companies small company startups entrepreneurs today who are listening to the show and saying, I'm not a big company. I don't have a CSR program. I don't have access to points of light. I'm not Rebecca Wong yet. Maybe I will be when I grow up, but I'm not there yet. I'm not HP. I want to introduce this as part of the business plan for my little startup or my mid sized company. It sounds great. How do they embrace this at their own level? So I want you to fit that into your predictions. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Taking our final break. You don't even want to think of touching that app that. Dial that mouse, whoever you're listening. We'll be right back with predictions. You don't want to miss it. Kevin, out.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business.
2: And here we are, time for the crystal ball. I'm going to open this segment up with Daniel Elliott. Daniel, what do you see five years ahead for CDC? What do you see for corporate social responsibility and volunteering in general? Go.
3: Sure. Um exponential growth. I mean across the board. Uh like we mentioned earlier, you know, two thousand six there were six US companies doing things like this. Now the numbers uh maybe double, triple that. But if you think of the Fortune five hundred, you think of the global two thousand, you know, just the large companies that some probably don't even uh have pro- programs set up but uh just the exponential growth uh in this type of uh space um I think is going to be and you know we're seeing that we're having um a lot of more organizations and companies coming to us we're going to be hosting our fourth annual ICV conference in Washington DC this April uh mm-hmm. you know talking about how to set up ICV programs how to expand ICV programs it's just it's an incredible growth market I think uh, and it's a great space for companies to get into especially if they want to be leading edge um in this field
2: How does a startup get involved quickly? Daniel, how does a startup contact you? How do they work with you or don't they? Do they do it on their own and learn just by watching the big kids or how can they get involved?
3: No, they can definitely get in touch with us. Uh, CDCDevelopmentSolutions.org is our website. Uh, we'd be more than happy to talk to anyone that is interested in setting up uh, programs like this. And um, uh, like you mentioned before, you know, even smaller organizations uh, are starting to look into this space because you know it's really not the size that matters. It's uh, the quality of the people that organizations have. That's the company's best assets across the board. So how do you leverage those assets? Uh, how do you get? Employees engaged. You know, you don't have to send a team of twelve volunteers, you know, to the other side of the world to engage them in corporate social responsibility or in, you know, in making the world a better place. You can do it right in your own neighborhood.
2: Good. Thank you very much. Let's turn to Rebecca Wong. Rebecca, HP. What do you see five years from today? What's it all going to look like, Rebecca?
4: Well, I I almost hate to say this, but I it's like working towards putting myself out of a job because if Uh-oh. if you know if if volunteerism I. Um, is moving it forward as fast as I, it feels like it's moving around, especially around skill base. It's not that I'm going to be managing a program anymore. It's such. It's going to be such a um, critical por- portion of somebody's day job that it's something that they're just going to be doing. They don't need our structure. They don't need our programs. Of course, I don't really want to lose my job but, um, mm-hmm. and move into something else, but the idea that volunteerism isn't this voluntary thing, yes, it's, it's something that I choose to do, but also that it's such an integrated part of my day job as this company, whether it be large or small, that they don't necessarily need our infrastructure. And CSR will more probably be able to concentrate more on the impact measurement as opposed to just the program delivery
2: thank you we want to make sure you're not out of a job but i'm sure (laughs) you'll i'm sure you'll (laughs) land well okay Garrett jones points of light what do you see five years ahead who's going to be doing it will it grow do you agree with daniel elliott what do you think
5: uh, yeah, I I agree with both Daniel and uh, similar sentiments of Rebecca. I mean, I think we'll be ta- We may be talking about CSR as a ne- as a necessary step in the evolution of countries, but that it will have uh, that that companies will have been infected by this social enterprise. Uh, transformation that is happening, and that uh, social impact and value creation will um, will kind of be inextricably tied for the business, for its customers, and the communities in which it operates. And it will have taken the, these kinds of programs will have taken on the life of their own. They'll have inspired business leaders who will set the course of the businesses to improve uh, social value in line with profitability.
2: Okay, sounds good, and let's turn to Evan Welsh. Evan, what do you see?
6: Yeah, I agree with everyone, and I, I think that not only will more businesses become involved in CSR, but more individuals within all sorts of businesses, small, medium, and large, will want to become involved, too. And in regards to the social sabbatical program, I think we've mm-hmm. just scratched the surface. Obviously, at SAP, we did three last year, and we're planning to do more this year, and people want to do good and they want to pay it forward and I think skills-based volunteering is is such a great way to be able to take your expertise and bring it to people who really wouldn't be able to afford it uh but that have the benefit of of having you work with them and I've talked to so many people within SAP and outside of SAP about this program and I just get the sense that people are so hungry for these experiences uh, and the world really has gotten smaller, and, and it really is possible to do this. And as Daniel has said, it, it is a win-win-win situation for the individual, the company, and, and the nonprofit. Uh, and I think that given more opportunities, there's always going to be demand for these opportunities from people. So I just think it's going to grow. It's going to grow exponentially, and, and I, I think the world will be a better place because of it.
2: Okay. Thank you all for your predictions. I have a bonus question. I can give you each about 20 seconds, so let's keep it really, really tight. My question is for a small company, uh, somebody with an entrepreneurial gleam in their eye, getting ready to put together a business plan. Maybe they're going to look for a VC or an angel to invest in their idea. They're putting together a board of directors. They're putting together a go-to team who's going to rock the world with this new business idea. Would it be a smart idea? For this startup, to put in their initial business plan, we are going to have a corporate social responsibility program from the get-go when we launch the company. Daniel, yes or no and why? Quick.
3: Definitely. Um, or like I said before, you know, it's not the the quantity of your CSR program, but it's the quality. Uh, small organizations, uh, you know, that are looking to do this and then integrate it into their business plan. See what your skill sets are. See what your employees are good at doing. There's organizations, you know, in the community and abroad as well that are just starving for uh, skills-based knowledge, um, that transfer of uh, the wealth of experience that, uh, that they're able to give out. So don't worry about size and scale. Just worry about quality and delivering what you deliver on a day-to-day basis. There's- organizations out there that need that expertise and that help
2: thank you Daniel Rebecca fast what do you think put in the business plan (laughs) yes absolutely Daniel mentioned at the beginning of
4: the hour about um, Millennials now and these are the Mm. the, um, future employees who we all want to hire but are also starting their own companies right and especially seeing that in the Silicon Valley it's an expectation so I don't think that it's something that um, they need to worry about. It. It's just something that they're going to do, and um, they can certainly come to us, big guys, if you want to call us that, for the help. But they're also finding their own paths. So, okay. Yeah. It's. I
2: think Thank you, to... Rebecca. Thank you, Garrett. I want to get you to weigh on in this real fast, and then Evan, I'll give you each fifteen seconds because I... we're hitting the edge. Go ahead, Garrett. This is
5: Garrett. I don't know if I would necessarily include a CSR and a startup company's business plan but to the degree that they could link their customers uh, their products to social needs and how they're actually improving a broader community uh, a societal need through the work that they're doing mm-hmm. there, there's a lot there's an opportunity to reach a much broader investment core and uh, market base
2: okay thank you and Evan let's wrap this up 15 seconds go yes no yep, maybe yep,
6: absolutely and I agree again with everything everyone said I think it's good for employee attraction it's good for employee retention. I think, as Rebecca said, millennials are going to expect this. Uh, I think it's good for the the company's brand and, and for overall awareness, and it's good for people development. So I would definitely vote yes. I think it's easier to do it up front than to add it later.
2: Great point. Thank you all. And it's time for me to give my predictions. And I've got them written down. I know what's coming up next week. Ha-ha. And Coffee Break with Game Changers. Wednesday, January 16th. Surprise. We're going to introduce a new format as an experiment on the show. I'm going to have two topics in one hour. Woohoo! And two separate panels. First half will be CRM, Customer Relationship Management. Remember me? With panelists Paul Greenberg, Ray Wong, and Jamie Anderson. What a panel. Part two in the second half, we'll try out a topic called Big Data Break brain power for 2013 Fast, faster, and wow. We're going to have Michael Krigsman, Kai Fink, Denise Brody, and maybe Steve Romero. Wednesday, January 23rd will be a surprise topic. Just wait and see. Visit us at SAPGameChangersRadio.com. Sign up for a free coffee break mug. It is awesome. You could even eat your ravioli out of it, according to Ryan Treasure at the Business Channel. Shout-outs to Anka Riebel, Malcolm Kimberlin, Supermom, Brittany Loth. We're giving you hugs and kisses. Hope you're well. The Business Channel team, thank you to Kevin and Chad for chipping in and get well wishes to Brad. And thank you to my guests, Daniel Elliott, Rebecca Wong, Garrett Jones, and Evan Welsh. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. My parting thoughts, as always, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye.